sorry. <laughs> Those headphones look like, uh, like, you know, I grew up with, I don't know if this version of a dad exists anymore for people, but there was like the one type of dad who at night would like sit in a big comfortable yeah. chair with, with headphones like that, <laughs> like with some kind of bev slowly sipping, you know, like the it, quiet, isolated it's dad. It's funny you should say that because do you know what these really are? Can you see? Are they coasters or something? These are, these are Grados, which are really nice headphones that are actually made in Brooklyn. Yeah. But these are Bushmills promotional Grados that I got. <laughs> I got for free. They're made with Bushmills oak barrels. That's perfect. So I nailed it. You did. You totally got it all together, dude. Yeah. They're a little bit too nice for for what we're doing, but hey, You know, man. I wore You see this shirt I'm wearing? Yeah, I do see that shirt. The owl. It's a it's a Crevelle tack shirt. Okay. Which is a cool, you know, Metally kind of hardcore band, I right. believe from from Finland. Where they're and, all from? Huh? <laughs> Where they're all are yeah, all, all the, all good the black ones, metal anyway. And I I've been wearing this shirt. I'm on my third day. I know we're going to start talking about shirts again. This is how <laughs> we started the last episode. But I hadn't realized. So I wore this shirt all day yesterday, and yesterday I had to welcome a few people into my home such as like inspectors or people giving estimates, you know, like those types of people. And at one point I had heard something I didn't like, and I assume I was acting in a strange way. And my wife came home right at that time. And she was like, you looked so scary back there. (laughs) And I I forget sometimes that like... (laughs) That I'm sort of like a hulking big person <laughs> with like a mustache and long hair in like old tattered black jeans always. And then I wear a shirt with this like, you know, eyeless owl, like this huge shirt. And then all of a sudden someone tells me they have to dig somewhere I don't like and I get this face. <laughs> People are really scared of me. It, and I really just don't see myself that way. I truly don't. Like I don't understand that i have that kind of presence that's that could actually frighten another person i feel so gentle yeah you are you are you're gentle but they don't know that no yeah it's um i think it's cool it's better than being the other way around right were you ever scared of me no (laughs) is there ever a time that i threatened you at all i i've been i've been in this racket long enough to to know a lot scarier looking dudes than you yeah and, and also to know that, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. It's true. <laughs> well, you found out you found out the fun way that a guy like me, give me an hour alone in New York City. I'm going to a diner. <laughs> you know, I'm not going I'm not going to the Times Square peep booths. I'm not getting drugs. I'm going to I'm going to sit with some eggs. Hell yeah. Hopefully nobody else in there so I can just, you know. <laughs> sit there like an old man at the bar just judging other people so this is what you know i mean this is can it can be a great advantage i mean really it's kind of the optimal way to be which is to be a big teddy bear who looks like who looks like a dangerous polar bear because you know people won't mess with you when you don't want them to right at that that's actually not always the case when you're in kind of like alpha dog scenarios 
where there's some alpha dogs around. Right, right. Sometimes they go for the biggest target. Right. You know what I mean? The thing that looks the scariest to try to alpha right. the room. Right. So, no, I've definitely been in those situations before, too, you know. But I, that that's one thing about, I really did, like, you know, it's just one of those weird things about life. Like, I truly did start so pure and so innocent where my intentions were so... <laughs> Great. And, and any kind of conflict really did terrify me. So I right. would just do anything in my power to like stay away from those situations. And I kind of almost like I had to like force myself into the world because of how much it like scared me. Like I almost literally didn't go on my first tour because of how just petrified I was. I wasn't excited as much as I was petrified. Right. And I had to like put myself in it, and make myself do it. Luckily, I had some cautionary tales in, like, my family in my past that led to me going, yo, you have to do this because the other road is bad. <laughs> but, like, so, and now here I stand almost 40, and I definitely got over, like, a lot of that shit just by pure exposure. Right. But still, if you strip away the scary owl shirt, the long <laughs> hair, and the mustache... I'm like four years old and I just want to find my blankie <laughs> and be like cold and someone cuddling me and telling me everything's going to be okay. Right. Isn't that what we all want? It is actually what we all want. Even the, even the real dangerous guys. Right. They probably want it more. Yeah, right? they do. They do for sure. That's like when I see like a, like, so I saw uh, an image the other day of like, some random couple at a Walmart, you know, some old fucking flabby shit couple. Like, I don't give a shit about these people <laughs> wearing like Nazi uh, uh, face masks uh, in like a Walmart. What? You know? You yeah. Swastikas? Yeah, yeah. yeah, with a swastika on it. And, you know. Holy shit. Like, obviously, my you know, my instinct is like, fuck these people to a point. But then I'm like, like, what kind of like. You just want attention. You yeah. just want like a hug. Like what <laughs> happened to you to make you have to go to a Walmart and seek the validation and attention of random people or try to get on a viral video or whatever the fuck you're doing by doing that. But the thing that's making you do that isn't a good thing. It's like, that's not like a, a, a safe person. That's not a happy person. No. That's, those are bad, sad people yeah. that something weird probably happened to them. Oh yeah. And I see those people and I want to just kind of go up to them more and just be like, Hey, you know, <laughs> like, let's take that off. Let's have a chat, you know, <laughs> but this is just me talking from a kitchen. If I actually walked into the Walmart and saw that shit, I might just go crazy too. You know, I can't, I can't guarantee my reaction is going to be this righteous, you know? Yeah. Maybe I'm just having a nice morning. Ugh. But say if I was in some traffic, it was hard to park. It was raining. I walked in wet or something, and yeah. then I saw those people. No, they they want a confrontation, obviously, which is kind of crazy because. So so, what's the alternative confrontation I can give them? I mean, besides a, a pipe upside the head, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking, like what? Okay, what they actually so, deserve? No, no, no. <laughs> this is this is. I've thought about this when this when this situation came up on the news. I was like. What could I do in that situation to be funny, to make them look like shit? Like that didn't involve like physical, like what? Cause my instinct was like, what if you just walked up to those people and just went like, ah, 
sweetie, were you not getting enough attention today? <laughs> you know, like, can you do that? Is that funny? That is the only thing you could actually do. And they're not going to get it. And they're not going to think it's funny. And it's not going to cure them or help them in any way. So Maybe what, it'll embarrass them a little bit because yeah. they don't get the confrontation. Right. But they're gonna, they just like look stupid. They don't get the confrontation. They don't get what they want. Right. Or is the best thing just straight up ignoring those people? I I would think that it not only ignoring them, but also like like ignoring them to the point where the cashier maybe should ignore them, you know? Right. <laughs> like, oh right. I, I believe you if you walk up to the Walmart to cash out and pay for whatever you've got and you're wearing a swastika, I think the duty of the cashier is to close the register and walk away. That's like the duty of every American. It's like hmm. it is to ignore them, but to basically proactively ignore them. Right. right, you know, right. Not to confront them, not to like yell at them, not to hit them, but to not give them anything to it basically make it clear to them that they're not part of society. They've right. chosen, they've chosen sure. to, to, because like, you know, freedom of speech, I'm a big believer, but there's a line that you cross where you're just saying like, I hate you and I, and it's just, it's not yeah. okay. It's not okay. Well, if you wear that, you're saying, Hey, I want to murder your family. Yeah. Basically that's me. exactly what they, they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably not that cool. Yeah. But it's like, so if these people want attention, so like say with Trump, for instance, I blocked him on Twitter like three years ago. Right. Because I thought the best response to a guy like that is no more clicks not one more impression, not one more yeah. piece of ad revenue to yeah. like add to that whole thing. Yeah. You know, that was like my whole concept. And it's kind of like the, uh, you know, I don't know if, if you did acid in your uh, time <laughs> in the sixties, but uh, you know, it's part of the whole <laughs> Timothy Leary thing. It's like the whole, you know, uh, you know, uh, tune in, drop, you know, what it, whatever it is, a uh, drop in, in, tune out, tune, what is in, it again? tune in, drop out, I think. Yeah, tune in, drop out was it wasn't just like do drugs and go to another place. It was the idea that like politics was like theater and right. all they did was like feed on, you know, like we're feeding the actual machine with what it needs to yeah. keep its gears going. Absolutely. And that if you completely drop out of the process and ignore the fact that it's even like a thing then maybe it'll cease being a thing, like, eventually. Right. I mean, it's, you know, maybe not the most proactive approach. He also had uh, Richard Nixon's vice president, the great Spiro Agnew, <laughs> on his tail at that time. You know, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's some truth to that. But there's when it's in front of your face, it's so hard to reconcile that, you know? It's like, oh, yeah. it's like I just want to murder this person. But me being physically violent with them is kind of like exactly what they were asking for by wearing it in the first place. I'm kind of giving them what they want. Yeah. It's like killing Kevin Spacey at the end of seven. You know? <laughs> I don't remember that movie. I don't think like, I even saw that movie. Yeah, you had to let him live. <laughs> Brad Pitt lost his shit. He saw his wife's head in a box. He's like, oh, what oh, is that? that? No, that no. <laughs> One of the worst scenes ever. And then, and then he shoots Kevin Spacey. It was part of his master plan, okay. you know? So if these people are going to Walmart being like, yo, I want a viral video that's going to go on OAR or whatever. And, 
you know, a bunch of fucking rednecks are going to think I'm cool. Right. And then I provide them that content like, oh, look at this big brutish liberal all wearing black who assaulted (laughs) these free speech patriots. I give them exactly what they want. Yeah, you know, you do. I mean, I, you know, there's no way this we could ever do this here. But, you know, I know that in some Asian countries, I think in Japan is one of them. They never print the names of criminals in the paper. Mm. And especially like, you know, kind of the more extreme crime, you know, like murder. Like you just don't they don't acknowledge they're not going to give them because essentially over here. I mean, that's what terrorism is. And that's really what, you know, a lot of crimes that happen, you know, anything that's not like burglary, you know, it's kind of attention seeking, you know. Yeah. And and, uh, you shouldn't give them the time of day. (sighs) Don't give them what they want. Give them what they want. Well, this was a nice tangent for, <laughs> to start this interview. I was so psyched. <laughs> I know. I was so psyched to get this interview with Bartis. Yeah. I've only discovered him fairly recently. I think most people have. But I heard those first couple of tracks and it's just like, you know, my ears sprouted up. It's just like, oh, yeah. Here's like, here's something. This is something. And then I looked into like his story a little and, um, really just like a fascinating guy in a lot of ways, like the way he came up and the way he wound up where he is now and kind of his philosophy is real. It's oh, yeah. cool. It's, it's like a mellow philosophy. That He's I'm a wholesome into. dude for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm into it. And sometimes we walk away from interviews and I'm like, I can I just like keep texting this dude and be friends with him. Yeah. Cause, yeah. <laughs> Cause that was, that was fun. You know, that yeah. was a conversation I'd like to have again. So, um, yeah, his record is coming out soon in October, but he's doing a lot of uh, previews. He just released that that single "Boomer," which is awesome, and uh, everyone should check him out. But first, check out this interview we did with him. It's going on. What, you know, use aloe? Yeah, dude, I'm a big aloe fan. I'm down with aloe. I'm a big aloe fan. Hey. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, this is this is what we're talking about. We're talking about aloe. Big aloe? The, yeah. The, the industry? <laughs> <laughs> it's like and, and how they're coming together, to how they've created COVID to take us all out, to make yeah. us buy more aloe. Oh, my yeah. God. How did you know? Bruh, I've been... I'm, I mean, J- when Jamie said y'all wanted to talk, I was like, I hope they're talking aloe. <laughs> yeah, you've been going to go well. <laughs> you've been on Reddit or something, huh? <laughs> Man, too much, dog. I have too much time right now, you know? So it's not all of it is being spent well, you know? No, I'm no. I'm, I'm seeking the truth, you know? It's, it's- funny, though, isn't it? I, like, <laughs> if you came on here and told me, you know what, Benny? Like, big aloe's a problem. And. <laughs> And like, you know, in whatever country they produce a lot of aloe and that the local population is suffering because of our love of aloe. I, I don't know. I believe it because it seems to be happening every time we are into anything. I, I remember when like quinoa became a thing. Apparently yeah. after like six months, like Peruvians were just getting fucking killed over quinoa. Yo, and, yeah. Know. Almond milk. Almond and milk. Like, oh, yeah. no. I'm like, yo, I, you know, I'm black. And I'm lactose intolerant, like a lot of black people. Okay. So when I found out that, you know, about oat milk and almond milk, I was like, yo, this is the wave. Like, yeah. this tastes delicious. 
and it's amazing. And then like, you know, I also, I work in the environmental space. So all okay. of a sudden, like everyone was like, oh, almond milk, like people in South America are being killed yeah. and making these almonds. Boom, boom. And I was like, damn, I did all the slavery, 400 years of that. And then lactose intolerance. And then I found something that worked and now I can't use it. It felt yeah, like, yeah. like double oppression from both yeah. sides. It was like, Back I was to lactate. Back right. to lactate for right. you, motherfucker. Yeah. I was like, I was forced into this. I didn't choose to be lactose intolerant. I didn't choose for these options. <laughs> I was What's unaware this? of this. Horrible. This, this, you don't know anything almond, about this, Brad? The almond <laughs> terror I was not aware of. I mean, um, the, what's going on with oats? I know almonds are bad because apparently California has no water. Boom, that's it. And it oh, takes a ton of water right, to make almonds. Right. What's going on with oats? What's wrong with oats? I'm afraid to ask. I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid. I don't even want to Google it because yeah. it's going to mess me up. I can't do it. I you know, it. there's someone on Reddit who's like, yo, if you're eating oats, you're you're fucking Hitler. Oh come on! <laughs> you, oh, know no. oats, oats are, you know those those no, those oats? They look kind of like you know people knuckles. But so are you got, are you into the oat milk then? Because that's the best thing I've found outside yes. of milk, right? I'm into I'm it, and they make an oat now, milk. Actually. There's an oat milk ice cream now. Yeah, I bet it's good. Ooh. I like oat milk. Oh, it's hard. Yeah, there's nothing bad about oat milk. Come on. So speaking of stomach problems, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm guessing this is this is Benny talking right this now. Is, I'm Benny, the one with the slight lisp, uh, <laughs> who sounds like he's really from New Jersey. Is probably me. And okay. then, yeah, Brad. Brad, what would your accent be? At this point, I don't know. Do I have an accent? Are you? Powerful. You're kind of. You have kind of a non-regional diction. You know that I've lived in many parts of the country, and I at one point actually had a southern accent when I was like six years old. I lived in Oklahoma when I was in first grade in kindergarten. You did? Get out of here. Yeah. And, wow. And, suppose, and then I moved to New England, and I've, yeah, I've had friends say that, that when I first moved up there that I had a southern accent. Which You know you? what's funny about this, Bartiz, is that Brad does such little research for these interviews that he has... <laughs> No idea how connected you are with Oklahoma, and that was a natural, a natural segue, a truly natural one. Yeah, I'm just. Well, here did you hear me? Meters. I was like, I was like, what? Yeah, you're like, for real? Oklahoma? Right. What's yeah. the connect? What's the connect? I was raised there. Oh, where? Where? Um, Mustang, Oklahoma. Okay, I was in Enid. Oh shit! Yeah. I played in a semi. Um, Semi, a state semifinal football game against Enid High School, and we got mollywopped. It was bad. <laughs> Those boys are huge, man. Uh, Good lord. Yeah, I was. I, I left there when I was just a, a kid. I, I had first grade there and kindergarten there, and um, and then we split. What what uh, what years of your life were you actually in Oklahoma? Because because you moved quite a bit before that, right? Yeah, um, it was like. Fifth grade, fourth, fifth grade through like junior year of college. Oh, yeah. Wow, developing years, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, so do you, what, do you consider yourself there? like an Oklahoman, an Okie? Oh yeah, an totally. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely. I've like all these Oklahoma tattoos. I'm so it's super corny. Yeah, I'm like a Okie for sure. Now, like, what, what, you know, what would in your estimation be 
like a determining factor of someone from Oklahoma, like a personality trait or like something that's very like Oklahoman. Something that's very Oklahoman. Huh. Owning, a, owning a gun? <laughs> well, that's too easy. Like that's like <laughs> sorry, and that can be said about the region at right, large. Yeah, I'm trying to think uniquely Oklahoman. I'm trying to think what is a characteristic that's uniquely Oklahoman. Oklahomans, I can always. I feel like I can spot them out of a crowd because okay. Oklahomans. I hope that I hope an Oklahoman hears this podcast so they can verify. Um, we'll I'll make sure of it. I'm going to we'll share the shit out of this. Yeah, yeah. but um, I, I feel like we carry this sensibility of like, oh, we we don't fit in. <laughs> like mm. we all we think that we don't fit in, and everyone else is like, oh, you're fine, and we're like, no, you don't know what it's like. Like I feel huh. like that's like a weirdly Oklahoman thing. Um, like just as an energy <laughs> because because it's like it's strangely placed and like. The yeah. South doesn't quite claim us. The Midwest doesn't quite claim us. The West doesn't really know about us. And the East Coast is like, doesn't know even where we are on a map. So, yeah, and, and Texas is kind of just resentful. Yeah, Texas hates Oklahoma, right? Isn't there like a yeah. r- rivalry there? It's or a huge rivalry. Hatred. Texas hates us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oklahoma always has something to prove. That's what it is. Uh, Our energy is, we're like, hell no, we're from Oklahoma. <laughs> and everyone's right. like... Cool. <laughs> so you're like you're like the New Jersey of uh, of yeah. America. Oh my god, <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> you're just that naturally would... defensive. There yeah, yeah. We're coming out swinging, like no reason, no reason needed. You know, <laughs> that's really funny. Wow, that's beautiful. I love that. It also makes me realize why I love Philip Roth so much. So <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful, beautiful pastoral. Now, <laughs> now, be- before you got to Oklahoma, you, you were you, you were part of a military family, right? So you, so you moved quite a bit? Yeah. I was born in England and moved to Germany and moved to Greenland. And wow. then I moved to the States and bounced around the States for a while and eventually ended up in Mustang. And do you like, do you remember all that moving? Do you remember those places or is your memory pretty entrenched in Oklahoma? I remember living in Europe. Um, you did? And people ask me like, Oh, did that happen in England or Germany? And I'm like, well, that's just, that was all just a place to me. Air Force right. bases are also their own little like insular, like culture, like living on base. I see. And all that, you know, it's like, you know, everyone speaks English and everyone mm. is like very international. It's a very international feeling though. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, a lot of different types of people from all over the world, definitely from all over the States. You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, I remember that because I definitely remember when I moved to Oklahoma and I remember how different it was from everything right. I'd seen previously. I was like, whoa, this is yeah. wild. <laughs> you know, it was, it really stood out. In, in what, in what way was it, was it so unique from the experience you had? Well, I mean, like generally the, in, uh, Oklahoma is a very conservative, um, yeah. state, you know, like deeply conservative, um, very, very Christian, which, you know, isn't horrible for my family. I mean, my mom is like a holy roller, super Christian, like Southern okay. black woman, okay. um, which is like, honestly, where I learned how to like play every instrument and sing. Right. It was like okay. churches. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, it was just, it's hard to like, A, be a black person, B, be queer or be interested in like, you know, anything other than 
like a woman of the opposite, a person of the opposite sex. Yeah. Um, you know, it was hard to, you know, do things that were like ambitious. People mm. would like try to smush you, you know, like as mm. soon as you're like the black kid that's trying to do stuff, like think back, just shit happens to you. You know, you become right. like, you know, I, I've known many people, some really close friends who were like run out of town for being great at football or being great at, you know, you're too big, too young. Like people pick all these crazy reasons to go after black kids, you know, and their lives hell. And it's really rough. And, you know, my, me and my brother and sister, you know, when we moved there, it, we just really like banded together and just like got through it, you know? That's awesome. What, what's the age difference with you guys? We're all two years apart. Oh, cool. Perfect. Yeah. So that was us, us three going to all those all white schools and just fighting kids and yeah, <laughs> and, and going to football practice. And my mom is an opera singer, and my and so you know she had us like singing, and she taught at the University of Oklahoma the vocal department, and yeah, that was our life. It was an interesting period. At, at what at what point, if any, did you did you ever like settle into it, or or did you? always feel that restlessness until until you got out oh wow that's an interesting question because it's not how you think like i bought in immediately like oh, one, like one thing that i learned growing up was like i think i was always like a scared kid like i was scared of everything mm. um so i got really good at just fitting in so like if everyone was playing basketball i'm gonna be the best basketball player here i'm gonna learn okay. everything about it and i'm gonna play the fuck out of basketball mm-hmm. and you know that's what i did my whole life like and when i moved to mustang i just had to like adapt and just play the part and my part right. was like booby miles friday night lights like that was like <laughs> who i was in my mind and you know did all the the church stuff and right. played ball and well, then you would have been the preacher at friday night night like it's not not booby well i was like booby <laughs> because i was I was trying to be cool, man. I was oh, like, I, see. Okay. I was trying to be really cool. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but, and then like once I, I got hurt in college uh, playing football and I was like, this, I really want to do music more, honestly. And yeah. I want to know what it's like to be like a civilian and like <laughs> not be right. playing sports like every day for years. Sure. And I also knew that there's this other side of me that I was never in a place that I could let just kind of let go, you know? Mm. Um, and even though I always played music growing up and, you know, always had a lot of access to the arts through my mom, my dad's really supportive. You know, I just never let myself go there. You know, I just be like, no, you will literally get fucked up for being that person. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So I just didn't until I, you know, got out and then it was like, Oof, yeah. You so you're be? just, so you're supposed to be the kid who plays football, the kid who goes to church, acts cool around everyone else, but but that wasn't really what you actually were at the time. Yeah, and it's also like just scary as fuck. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. about like being popular. It was about like right. yo, people are getting tied up and drugged behind trucks yes. until they die out here. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? Like yeah, sure. it wasn't about being cool. It was survival. about like yeah, you know, there's like the grandmaster wizard of the Ku Klux Klan that lived in the acreage behind my house. That's like insane. when I was a a, a a package helper for UPS, yeah. this white boy I used to ride with, every time we got to his house, he'd make me get out of the car and walk the package up to the door. Really? Like it was a joke, you know? Like, yeah, like thinking it was funny. Yeah, man, this shit was horrifying. Like 
the most traumatizing shit. And, uh, yeah, I really had just had to get out of there and just did whatever I had to do to get out of there. When I, so I went to college there and interned, you know, I just busted my ass. And when I got a little internship in DC, I was like, peace. (laughs) And like started playing in a lot of bands. And then that was kind of how I wrote it. Mm -hmm. Now with that, with that kind of situation going on in Oklahoma, what, I, you know, I heard you were you were into punk and hardcore. Went to shows, played in bands. Like, mm-hmm. h- how did you get uh, an entrance into into that world in such a? Ah, this is so, okay. Yeah, this is so fun to talk about. Cool. So this is <laughs> this is the cool part about living in Oklahoma, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So nobody knows this, but Oklahoma has some sick ass musicians. Like sure, yeah. some of the hardest. Like Garth, I live. I grew up on Garth Brooks Boulevard. Literally, Garth Brooks' parents live like on my mom and dad's street. Oh, no like, shit. Okay. It, like, no shit. Gar- look that shit up. Garth Brooks Boulevard heading into Mustang <laughs> Road. I grew up on that street. And fucking, man, like, great players all over the place. And like, yeah, even, yeah. even if you look out there now, you got like John Moreland, Samantha Crane, John Calvin Abney, like some of the coldest up and coming, like, folky country players out. And so, like, mm-hmm. I felt like. I got to grow up around a lot of people who were just like really, really hyper musical, but we lived in a place where nobody thought you were going to go anywhere with the shit. So people were just chill about being great at music. Mm. And so you could sit down with some 60 year old redneck, literally just chicken picking the shit out of a guitar on his stoop and just be like, Hey, how are you doing that? And he would just show you like multiple people throughout my development who were just like random people that just took an interest and shared their knowledge, you know? Um, so I met a lot of people like that. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Like being around my mom and just kind of being curious. Right. Um, <clears throat> and then when I got to high school, um, people started like joining bands and, you know, I, I was really into rock music, but I didn't see any other black kids playing like around right. me. Um, yeah. And like right before high school, I guess like, I guess seventh, eighth grade, um, I was watching like TV, literally the corniest thing in the world, but I saw like at the drive-in playing on Letterman and I taped okay. it and sure. like, it was a rerun and I was like, Oh my God, where are one they ar- from? One arm scissor, I presume. Yes, it was. It was yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I like, I found out they're from El Paso, Texas. Yes. And right. I was like, yeah. Oh my God. What? Like yeah. those, those kids look kind of like me. And they sure, all right. speak Spanish and they're like in New York city playing on mm. television. It just like right, right. Yeah, my yeah. brain exploded. And then like this dude showed me TV on the radio and that okay. really fucked me up. Sure. Fucked me up. And then I heard like, um, helicopter by block party on a, on FIFA or some shit. Uh, yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. literally right. like, it was yeah, like, yeah. I think happened. it was on FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that song 350 times too, I think, because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, that really just got me looking around. Like, I was like, who is making shit like this? Um, And then, like, also, there was like a substitute teacher at my school who's like, nephew is Caleb from Kings of Leon. Like, those guys are like also from my area. And, like, I heard they were playing like literally like a show in Bricktown, and a bunch of my friends were going. And, like, we all went and saw, like, you know, like the bands of Oklahoma at that time. I don't even remember who they were playing. Right. Um, it was really sick, but that was kind of my entry into like, oh, like you can just form a band and do this. And 
Uh, you don't have to look like them and right. you can do your thing. Um, and that really just like lit a fire in me. And then I was just like always trying to plan a band. And in high school, like I was playing football and basketball and all this shit, but I always was like in a band <laughs> and like, right. um, always like slugging it out, like with some folks in the city and like just going to punk shows and, you know, trying to like, just like see if there's anyone like me because I saw it on TV, literally, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, Where's another couple black kids? And I met some, and we're still friends to this day. They're the bomb. That's awesome. Yeah. And what were your uh, what were your first bands that I fell in love with, or that I no played that in? that you were in? Like, oh there. my god. Okay. Give <laughs> me some a, names. Yeah. Give me some band. There's that. a band called yeah. Belmont, which okay. is uh, named after you know my neighborhood, Belmont Crossings, okay. when I was growing up. Not the horse race. <laughs> no, yeah. not the horse race. But we've definitely got a MySpace, and there's definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely music on it, nice. um, which is wild. Um, I, yeah, you could find it if you wanted. Um, beyond that, I played in a band called Tander or Die, um, okay. um, which now goes by the name Speak Memory. I'm actually mixing their record right now. Um, oh, they're it. like, yeah, longtime friends of mine. Um, run by this dude named Tim Miller, who like, I, I think he's like. I mean, if you're into like Twinkle Daddy music or like Midwestern emo, like this dude like really studies it, and he's just like, he's really talented as a guitarist and a cool. arranger. Yeah, it's his project, and I played bass in it. And it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and I also played in a band called An Airbag Saved My Life, <laughs> which was a post-rock band okay. that I played in like a lot in college, um, and it was a very emotional post-rock band. There's music up. I'm sure you could find that music. It's great. Now, were you just playing guitar in these bands? You were singing, too. I was always just playing guitar. I was too scared. Yeah. Yeah. Now, even though, like, so, so you know, your mom, as you mentioned, is is an opera singer, and and also, I'd assume, since in your words, a holy roller, probably yeah. uh, probably did some work in church. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, so you must have known that that you had a voice. Did, well, did you it. have did you have vocal like training from your mom or? Yeah, and you know, I grew up singing quite often, but singing in my own band was like a different thing. Like, right. Um, I remember like, you know, I grew up doing operas with my, you know, my mom had a little, literally like a kid's opera camp in Oklahoma called the Cimarron Circuit Opera Company, where every summer we would do like full blown out like opera productions and operettas, Gilbert and Sullivan pieces. And I would sing and I did church and I was always, you know, my whole family were always singing in, in front of people. But with, it was like, um, as I got older though, you know, I, and started playing in bands, it just felt too real. Like if I was playing and singing, I was almost like afraid of it because I loved it like so much. Mm. Like it was too big. Almost I like, mean, almost like you had a, like a unattainable standard on it. Well, like I felt like I couldn't, I didn't have time to, to be too into that. Like I was like, trying to as I was playing music, I was trying to like stay connected to music, but I was definitely in my mind fully focused on like getting out of Oklahoma and finding a job and being this person that I was, have been told my whole life that I needed to be right. Mm, Like mm -hmm. um, I was like a black kid who grew up in the country and like, you know, I wanted to like, 
be a fancy black guy. Like this was like Obama era shit. Like I see, you know, I wanted to like move to DC and be like a fancy black dude that worked at a firm or something. Gotcha. And I, and I loved hardcore music and I was like, Oh my God, hardcore music's great. Boom, boom, boom. But I'll never be that. There's Mm -hmm. no way I could possibly ever make it. And this is like a way for me to get out of Oklahoma. So like, this is where I'm going to like pour into. Um, but <laughs> when I moved to DC, like things worked out and I had some really great jobs and I hated all of them. And okay. I always wanted to be in a band. And, and what kind of work was it? Like, like, are you an academic? Like what, what kind of stuff did you get into? No, actually, um, my first job, um, I was actually like a technology policy lobbyist. I worked huh. on net neutrality. Um, oh, no shit. Yeah. It was really awesome. It was a good experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, I worked there and eventually worked at the FCC. I was the deputy press secretary there. Wow. Doing like, yeah, a bunch of their net neutrality work with Tom Wheeler, who was the chair when Obama appointed him. And oh, very and interesting. I, yeah. And, and I, and it was funny, like I chose DC because of that work, but I was also like, oh, there's bands there. I'll always right. be able to kind of like find a band. Um, but I had a really hard time. Like I couldn't find anyone to play with. And oh. I felt like starved, like kind of creatively. Wow. And and I hated my job. I hated it. Like I was like, I thought this was going to be fulfilling, but the only thing I want to do is play in bands. Wow. So, so I'm going to move to New York and play in so, bands. So you finished, so you finished school, you finished college and, yeah. and got a background in that, went to DC and kind of tinkered around with it. And it just, you just knew it wasn't right for you. Like, yeah. like pretty early on. Yeah. It just didn't feel right um, huh. at all. And I always knew I wanted to play in bands. So, um, Eventually, so I moved to New York and still worked, but music became like the focal point, really. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and uh, and what what uh, kind of stuff did you fall into? And where were you in Brooklyn when you were there? I was in Crown Heights. You're in Crown Heights. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, what was that train. like for you connecting yourself in, in Brooklyn? Man, it was like half of my like record coming out is about this moment. Like when mm-hmm. I moved to Brooklyn, I had never, for one, I felt like it was the first decision I ever made in my life that was totally mine. Like, oh, cool. yeah. you know, like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to DC because I got a job and it's the next thing. It was like, I don't want that life. I want this other life. Mm. I want to try it. You know, like it, I felt responsible for it. Um, and then when I got to Brooklyn and, I'll be honest, like it was my first time living in like a all black and like super pro black like world. Sure. And I had never experienced that in Oklahoma. And when I was in DC, I was just in a very different circle. Okay. And, and so like, but there, you know, like it was like just all these black people and I, and I'd never been in a world like that. And I was suddenly like forced to like learn about myself <laughs> and like really like become like just like more confident in who I am and right. start to kind of like ask myself some questions about what I want my life to be and what really makes me happy. Who are the people I want to be around? You know, things like that, that I never really actually thought that much about. I don't know. Huh. Um, yeah. Right. I felt like I picked up a lot of confidence and became myself in Brooklyn in a way. Yeah. That's a strange question coming from a white person, but like, was this between Oklahoma and DC? Was this maybe the first time that you were able to like connect with your own black experience? Like, like being around that and really 
fully being able to kind of let that free in an open area like that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was like I think of it as like an actualization. <laughs> right. It was like, oh, oh, it's okay to be this or to, you know. And that's when I was like, okay, I want to front a band now. <laughs> you know? Right, right. You know, like, like, my own wow. fucking band. <laughs> and then, uh, and, uh, and dude, and I fucking, I played in so many bands in New York and it was like, I just got to really grind and I needed that, you know, like, yeah. to just like play like four shows a week <laughs> and sure. practice all the time. It was just amazing. Well, it uh, seems like you need to work hard at whatever you're doing, which is, you know, a good, good quality to have. Um, now I heard you say one quote, when when you moved there and when in the attempt to go solo, you said, I had to say goodbye to being so precious and I had to say goodbye to that version of me. So so what exactly were, were you letting go and like what exactly were you like coming into? I feel like that's so, yo, you did your research. That's great. Um, <laughs> damn, you got me. Um, but no, I feel like when I was coming out of that, I, I had always had this idea of like who I was supposed to be, right? right. Through like just growing, you know, whatever. Um, was that from I, family or just the Oklahoma thing? Was was there pressure from when from your parents to kind of comply I think I, a little bit as well? Well, I think I was like, I'm a person that puts a lot of per- pressure on themselves. Mm-hmm. To be honest, um, like you know, my parents have expectations, and and I have my you know. But I think I have my own, and I think those drive me more crazy than anybody else's, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, um, yeah, you know, I feel like I just had this idea of what I thought life was going to be and who I thought I wanted to be. And when I realized that wasn't what I wanted and that I wanted to move and kind of pursue this other, like, world, um, I had to say goodbye to, like, the honestly, <laughs> like wanting a lot of shit that it just didn't make me happy. Like mm. wanting a lot of like, Oh, like I don't need to like, you know, stunt on, on niggas to be like, <laughs> I don't need to like be cool. Like, right, I, don't, right. I don't need to like, you know, I don't need to play the role. Like I see, I need yeah. to just like, I need to like make myself happy. Like, even if it doesn't look cool, <laughs> even, right, right, even sure. if it's like, just like, you know, you're a dub. Like, what if you're just a dub? Like, you're not that interesting. Like, yeah. it's okay. Like, you got to say goodbye to being so precious and like caring about these things that aren't really serving you, you know? And that was kind of what that was all about. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But I mean, that sounds, sounds really cathartic, almost the things you, you went through in all these places. Uh, and it's nice to hear like music. And, and, you know, performance and art being so connected to a personal experience because so often, you know, it's about the end game and it's not really about the process. So it's honestly nice to hear that it was about the process. Um, you know, I had I have to bring it up at least once. No, when you played football, you were a free safety and a wide out. So yeah. you, you got burners, huh? Like, like, Oh, man, I used to be I used to be able to get out. I was yeah, that's so sad. <laughs> I was a great athlete. Yo, I was a great athlete, and it's so weird because, like, I like uh, I, there was a time in my life, in my early twenties, when I seriously was bummed that I was not playing football on TV. Like, I remember thinking, right. like, damn, I could be, 
I could be playing for blah, blah, blah. Why am I wasting my time in school? Right. <laughs> so dumb, man. Like, yo. But- when you were getting out of high school, were there like were you were you being looked at by colleges and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I got yeah. a scholarship to play football at Emporia okay. State University. I went, yeah. I went there and played, and then I didn't like it. I got hurt, and then I was like, oh. I, and before I went to I, I went to Emporia State for a girl, which was you know not smart because I turned <laughs> down like a, some better schools. Okay, <laughs> much to my parents like. What the fuck? Okay. Um, but anyways, I like, the, you know, I plan to transfer to Oklahoma and play, you know, walk on at Oklahoma or get like a gray shirt there. Sure. Um, but then the injury was, I don't know. It was just time. I was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. What what kind of injury was it? My knee. I've like a, I've got a bad knee, a right knee. Um, my ACL, I've torn it. And my MCL, I've probably torn it twice. Um, Yeah, so I've got a bum knee, um, a real one, that I can't really fuck up again. Yeah. (laughs) Young man with a bum knee. (laughs) Yo, real. (laughs) Well, you're getting bigger and bigger, man. Once your shows start popping off, you got to make sure that you're not doing any full-on split dives and uh, cool jumps on stage, you know? That's an easy way to fuck it up in in some flat shoes, you know? Man... Real talk. That's that's so real. I know I'm gonna throw my back out at a show, and I mean, like it's yeah. gonna happen. It's this is from experience. Get, I've seen, yeah, I've seen men creeping up into their 30s try to do some. I've seen. Let's just say this. I've seen a lot of guys holding guitars complaining about like shin splints and shit like that. You know, so just, yeah. Just keep that in mind now, Benny. You know? Especially Benny, with his knee. His knee you're years. hanging out with some some wussy players, dude. <laughs> oh, you never, you never had a shin splint when you were in the goops, bro. No, man, come on. And if, and if I did, I wouldn't admit it. How's that? <laughs> well, yeah, because this is New York City in like the eighties. You were probably so high on cocaine that you didn't even know how your body felt, Brad. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll let the Sorry. fantasy. I'll let you live that fantasy. <laughs> your voice just got real jumpy when I said that. Um, but so, anyway, Barty, so you're down in D.C. now, right? And, yeah. and you told me you're in the uh, the U Street district. Yeah, so what So um, what no, brought you true. back to D.C.? I mean, we were you yeah. were just in New York, and you'd found yourself, and you'd found music. So what happened? Yo, okay. So this is when I, I got, I think I got smart. Like, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I, I feel like I really, like, I got smart. And I was like, yo, I don't think... If I stay in New York, anyone's going to hear my music. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, wow. I was like, hmm, hmm. Like, I know a lot of great bands. Like, I know some incredible bands. I know some players that are so good. Like, anything they touch, it seems like they can write a hit song. But nobody's going to their shows. Right. They're not selling any merch. Right. And, like, they're ultimately pissed off and frustrated. Mm. And I was like... Every time I'd go on tour, I would meet all these bands that were like sometimes more talented and sometimes not that just kind of built their lives differently around their music. You know, mm-hmm. like they were like, hmm, they're like, yo, like I can't spend twenty two hundred dollars on an apartment. I'm going to spend seven hundred dollars on an apartment right. and live in Valparaiso and tour all year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it worked. And yeah, like, sure, when they come to New York, they sell out. And I was like. I got to leave and like wow. build this elsewhere. 
in a place where maybe someone will see me. So like, how much time yeah. did you put in New York? I'm just curious. Oh, it was like five five years. Yeah, okay. Just about. Oh, that's respectable. Yeah. There's this I just I've lived in New York for like three decades now, and I just know that there's this two year there's a two year <laughs> mark right. where a lot of people who can't handle it leave. So if once you pass that, you could handle it. So you you could handle it, you just had reasons to leave. I miss it too. Like I I am always talking to my partner. I'm like, babe, should we just go back? All of our friends are yeah. there. You know, I, I miss the life and I miss the players. Like, right. gosh, it's like the best. But I mean, you, yeah, you, know. you couldn't be more right about the music. I mean, like, it's so hard building something inside of New York. And it mm. seems like most of the people who find the success find success outside of New York. And once that happens, you sort of come back home and have success at home. But I mean, when you say that, it makes perfect sense because I've seen the same as you. So many great bands just grind in places, especially in Brooklyn, where people are yeah. just too cool to hear it, yeah. too young to care, yeah. too drunk to notice. Yeah. And then about 15,000 other bands you're competing with that it's really hard to stand out. So that does seem like a very wise decision. <laughs> I just made a risk assessment. I was, yeah. like, I was like, this is where my best shot is, I think. And yeah. This might have been your uh, kind of more mathematical engineering side of your brain that you got from your your initial career that led you to see these holes, you know, in the sociology of New York. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I don't. I, I, I like to think so. Yeah. I like to think that time wasn't wasted. <laughs> Listen, if, if you were a total wonkhead, you wouldn't have made that decision. So that's good. Now, did you go straight to, to the U Street area? No, and I live on H Street. My oh, bad. Okay. Yeah. But oh, yeah, no, okay. I live on H Street. Um, and yeah, I just moved straight here. Um, we've been here for almost two years, awesome. I think. Yeah. And there's yeah. kind of a, a long, rich history in that area. Um, do, do you find the uh, the neighborhood and your, your surroundings inspiring to, to work and write? Um, it was when I first moved here, but now I'm ready to try another spot. Um, okay. But Why is that? I, um, hmm. I don't know. Well, there's a few things. One... Um, in the continued effort to build my life around my music and to cut costs and make things affordable and sustainable, mm. um, you know, this isn't the best spot for that. Um, right. And I also just got a like, you know, a position um, working as a producer out of a studio here um, oh, cool. like right outside of D.C. and Virginia. Um, that's like really great. And the studio is amazing. And you know, basically they're just like, yeah, set up shop, bring in whoever you want. And, you know, don't worry about an X amount. You have to pay it, you know, pretty great wow. little, yeah, it's great. So, you know, um, so I want to be a little closer to that, especially now, like during COVID and shit, like, sure. so it'll end a lot cheaper over there. So, you know, I think it'll be like a good place to kind of get low and build, if you will, you know, like just kind of, like yeah, just grind. I saw the pics uh, on, on yeah. your, <laughs> I saw the pics on your Instagram. What's the studio? Oh, it's called 38 North. 38 yeah. North. It looks like a nice spot. What town is it in? It's in Falls Church. Okay. Yeah, it's which is like right, it's in that Nova area, like right outside of D.C. Right. Really right. close. Yeah. Did, Brad, did you approve of the gear? Did, I didn't. I was I was going to say, this is for, I have a question <laughs> for Benny. I was just wondering what uh, what the console is. 
Um, so downstairs is an MCI, Ooh. a 500 series. It's cold, bro. Nice. Like it's beautiful. And upstairs, um, in the big room, um, I, I can send you some photos. I don't think I posted any great ones. Um, but upstairs, um, there's like, you know, basically like a rack of 1073s, 1066s, rack of API. You know, it's like a rack of everything right, you would right. want. A rack of Ventex, you know, LA2A is a bunch of, UA stuff, um, you know, but a really nice combination of like vintage and new things. Um, and so they don't use a board upstairs. They just use all that. Right. Well, um, you can get away with that now. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Ben? Does it sound good to you? Sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I would, I would definitely knock down the 1.5 HZ and, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, a little bit just in that, in that kind of scenario. But yeah, it sounds good. Sounds 1.5 hertz. Is that a, yeah. 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 Uh Yeah. Some reflections in the pictures. Yeah. The HZ, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You might be right. A lot of HZ. Yeah. (laughs) So much. Yeah, and you just you know knock a couple HZs out of the mids. That's a yeah, good no, idea, exactly. actually. Low You'll mids. Right. That's a good idea. I, I'm always like, yo, whose HZs are these? Get them out of here. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of mids, this is the perfect <laughs> the perfect transition into our segment called Mystery Friend. Okay. So, oh, cool, cool, cool. I thought you were going to talk about weed when you said mids. Oh, we are. Um, <laughs> oh, no, oh, we are, friend. Yeah, that, that is what I meant by mids. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, I heard a story from a friend of yours. So, the point of this game is I'm going to tell you a story. I'd okay. like you to tell me a little more about the story. To elaborate and, and, on it, yeah. And elaborate on it. And then you have to guess which mystery friend of yours told me this story. Oh my. So, okay. Speaking of mids in Washington, D.C., I heard about a story where you uh, took someone to get weed in D.C., and they found out that it was sort of like a strange speakeasy type of situation where you had to kind of know the right place or the right code words right. to, to, to get it. So, so can you explain to me what, what that is like down in DC? Yeah. So in DC that you can't buy weed, um, okay. but someone can gift you weed and you can like, you know, <laughs> buy a service and they gift you the weed. Right. So mm. let's, so I, I go to a place um, down the street and I walk in and I say, Hey, I need some life advice. And they say, okay, cool. That's going to be 60 bucks. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll give you 60 bucks for life advice. <laughs> yeah. And I give okay. them 60 bucks. They give me advice. It lifts me up. I feel good. And then they say, hey, brother, do you want a free gift of like an eighth of this or that or the other? And I can choose whatever I want within a certain price point of the advice I received. Oh, wow. And that's how you are legally able to procure, you know, marijuana oh in the district. Oh my god, I never Florida. heard of this. this that is, is yo, so like good. there's people selling like paintings. Yo, yo, check. Okay, there is, uh, <laughs> there is. This is so it's so wild to me. So there's like this collection of, um, I believe they're deaf artists because there is a college here, Gaeta University, one of the largest um, schools for the deaf um, in the country, uh, probably in the world. Um, 
and they have like these artists who like paint pictures and you can buy them and then they they deliver the painting to you with weed. Wow. <laughs> That's it's awesome. Lit. Yeah. <laughs> It's lit. And the paintings are all named after like the strain ah. you'd be getting. Oh so it's my God, like, this is too so, good. But let me ask yeah. you this. When you get your, uh, your life advice, do they yes. ever take it seriously? Did you ever get any good life advice other than? Oh my gosh. I've gotten some, it's all very general, but it's all very true. You know? <laughs> okay. Like recently I was told, not to sweat the small shit, you know, like okay. Okay. that's always a good, real, which is something that prior to hearing it, I hadn't thought to myself in probably 48 hours. So it was a good <laughs> reminder. And I didn't that day. So you're kind of, it's sort of like fortune cookie advice. Yeah. But better yeah. because it's a guy that you get to build a relationship with over time. Right. He gets to know your problems, you know, oh, like it's great. This. It's almost like a shrink. It is. It's a therapist. It's yeah. it's like a variation on the old school bartender, right? You sit, sit <laughs> you sit down and yes. tell your problems to. Exactly. I like this. That's, I did, I was not aware happened. of this. It's fantastic. I mean, granted, you're in line with a lot of people behind you. So, <laughs> right. How deep do you want to go? That's up to you. Sure. <laughs> but you know, whatever. That's amazing. see. This is when everybody goes. You know, oh, 2020, and sometimes I go. 2020, man. You know? Like, could be worse. Like, that's cool. <laughs> that's just cool. You know? It's really funny. But damn, who told you that? Yeah, so you have any idea who who gifted me oh, this story? Who's your my, mystery friend? Is it my... Is it my mother? <laughs> I mean, you got to imagine this scenario. I, I must have talked to the person who I got this from. So... Would you imagine that I could have gotten in touch with your mom somehow? Yes. I mean, she's online. <laughs> it is, it's not your mom. And, and I don't know you. <laughs> I know. This was not an easy mystery friend to get. Donovan? Is it Donovan? It's not. Because I've told a lot of people about this. Oh, I love this. Oh, hell. Is it Kaylee? No. My, my God. A human being that I've talked to. I think it's not only a human being you've talked to. I think it's a human being you brought to do this. I think you you okay. supervise this human being. Damn it! I in be, the speakeasy. This sucks because I man, I'm high when I do everything. <laughs> so it's like everything is hard. Everything I hear you. Like I hear you. You know I'm high right now, trying to figure <laughs> this out. That's going off track prerequisite. <laughs> ah. Don't don't feel too pressured. Only about half the people get their mystery friends. Let okay, me know. Let me, let me know here. when you want to get it. I do not know who it is. It is your publicist, Jamie Collette. <laughs> oh my god! That's so stupid. Which yes. is the only person that I know that you know. Well, damn! I'm going. I gave you way too much credit, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, That'd oh, be too yo. easy. I was like, Benny's a professional podcaster. Like, yeah, he's got research. He's got. He's been planning for this for weeks. He just pulled that line in that article out of thin air. Now, this was emailing your publicist at about eleven o'clock last night. Damn, <laughs> but it still worked. Yeah, this is this is a snapshot of what many interactions in my life are like. This 
what just happened. Why? <laughs> so, that that my attempt at you was more artificial than you thought? You thought there was more depth to me? <laughs> no, that I've, that I've vastly overthought something. <laughs> that, that I'm in a place that no one else is. Yeah. I'm like, I'm There's, beyond. <laughs> yeah, there's my life lesson to you is go the easy route first. If that doesn't work, you can go deeper. <laughs> Check the twist the doorknob first. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's seriously the best advice anyone could probably ever give me. Yeah, that's a pretty good advice. That's solid. <laughs> I, I like that one. I like that one. I've heard very, many awesome. variations on that one, but that's it. Well, that a was a one. great mystery, friend. Thanks for that. No problem. But uh, so moving on to actually some music. Okay, I know you like to play and write music as part of all of this. Um, yeah. What kind of uh, like what kind of creator are you? Are you Somebody who like makes sure that you you grind every day and make sure you create something, or are you very tied to to creative inspiration? And when you're when you're hit with like a wave of something, um, I'm. If it was a spectrum, I like to think of this as a spectrum, right? right? Like, because I definitely have element. I do some of both. I'm I'm a planner. Like when I'm about to go make a record or record a record, I'm pretty like technical you know okay. I'm, I'm pretty like all right cool here's the timeline here's this boom 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 like i need to have a strategy for the record okay um but if i'm just um like day-to-day um writing music and just kind of like trying to just be creative mm-hmm. um i feel like I'm, I'm an inspiration searcher you know i that's that's where most of my music comes from definitely it's rare that i think up a whole song most of my music is from like hearing something or doing something accidentally and then just kind of like following it, you know? Um, which is also why I buy so much gear. Like, Oh, I see. Yeah. Like I, I love synths. I love guitars. I love basses. I love drums. And it's, it's literally like, I just need to like hear something different so I can just go down the pathway and I can't imagine it until I hear it. So I need to have things to make sounds with. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Anything like outside of, you know, other artists or gear that you use for, for inspiration, like, uh, you know, film or, or things around the city or anything like that? Um, honestly, um, I love horror movies. Nice. Uh, like, um, I, I love the drama and I love the sound. The, like the, yeah, the, sure. the drama that sound can bring something about it. You know, I've always loved it. Huh. Um, and so I would, so, I mean, and, uh, yeah, I love horror movies awesome. <laughs> and I, and I'm often very inspired by them, um, how they can, you know, make hyper real scenarios feel so like much like it could happen to you. Like sure. I, I feel something about that is always kind of, been romantic to me like and kind of interesting i've always like played with that idea and yeah so i think that's always been very inspiring to me what's a what's a favorite film recently a film that has just stood out to me it's not even my favorite but it's one that i come back to a lot for inspiration is it follows it like yeah i don't know if you've seen it Mm -mm. or heard of it but Mm it's um it's awesome and it's it's not the best horror movie, but the way that everything is set up is, and shot and how sound is used in the, in the movie is just like freaking, it's so scary. 
Right. <laughs> well, that's like, the thing about the genre is like every now and then you just get one that comes out of like oftentimes out of like a low budget, but they just do something t- weird or twisted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when it's amazing. I'm not a big horror film guy, but yeah, I do like it when every now and then when you get one of those just totally amazing well, I feel accidents. Like horror, I feel like. Yeah. And I feel like that horror is like a, it's like a, a, a genre of films where people are trying new shit, you know, like yeah, right. it, yeah. It, it feels experimental to me, um, which is maybe why I'm so drawn to it. Cause I'm, I'm not, you know, yeah, it's, well, it's kind of I think it's because it's dismissed. You know, it, basically, it's yeah. like it's utility. Yeah. It's utility film. It's like how you know you, all you need to do is make a film that's going to scare teenagers, and then once you've done right. that, you're free to do like whatever you want. You can do crazy shit. You know what it is too. It's like I think horror is like what say you're going to choose to play metal for a living. Yeah. You know, you know right off the bat that you're foregoing commercial success. You know that, like, you're not going to be mainstream and you have your niche. And I think, you know, in horror, it could be the same thing where, you know, people, you know, like, you're not, you know, this isn't going to be Top Gun. Right. You know, this we'll isn't going to be, like, you you know that you're losing the mainstream anyway. So it maybe <laughs> right. gives you more room to, to move around inside of that space. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. also the fact that it, maybe it's not taken as seriously in Hollywood for that reason. That Sure. Yeah, it gives you some freedom, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, you know, before, uh, you know, before, you know, a certain time or place, if you were in a hardcore punk band, you were basically making a decision that you were never going to be <laughs> very commercially successful. Right. Like that was literally a focused decision you were making about your own life. And of course, you're going to give less of a fuck. If that if that's the case, you know, true. Yeah, that. you know all about that. So, with all the you know instrumentation you use and how much you know how to play yourself, where where do the uh, where do the songs begin? Like on which instrument? And yeah, um, I'm I, I'm a guitar player primarily. Like I would say that's probably the instrument I'm best at. Mm-hmm. So most things, um, most things are there of the things I've written and recorded of late, but new things <laughs> have, have largely been written on synthesizers, um, mostly since, um, cool. yeah, which is weird because I'm not, I'm not a keys player by any means at all, okay. but it's, it's inspiring to just honestly, like having all those patches, like, you know, guitars, like you can make sound a lot of different ways, but like, Something about synthesizers are pretty fascinating. <laughs> the last few years have been pretty fun, like getting into synths. And um, definitely, like on that last project I did, um, the national one, Say Goodbye to Pretty Boy. Yeah. Um, that song, I mean, that whole record I recorded like this time last year. Um, and it was mostly like, you know, a drum machine and a couple of polysynths and, and Ivor Rhodes piano. It was, you know, that was mostly it. Very cool. Yeah. What's uh, does, what's an inspirational um, synth for you? Like what what do you like to monkey around on? Ooh, um I love Pro- Prophet Rev 2. Nice. Um you know the Dave Smith Prophet right. I think is like I'm a huge James Blake fan, like right. massive. And you know, I just loved his tone and when I found out that he was playing Prophets, I was like, "Oh, I want one." Right. <laughs> and, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. Mhm. 
but yeah, sorry, Benny, to answer your question, yeah, most songs start with like guitar and a, and a melody, um, or a synth and a melody that I'm singing. Mm-hmm. And when do, uh, like, when do lyrics come into play with your writing? At the very last minute. Okay, very last. So you have melodies worked out and then you, you, you fit the lyrics into it afterwards. Yeah, I feel like I'm just freestyling every time I sing the song until oh. I write it. Like, and it's literally like everyone in the studio is like, okay, so are you ready to replace your scratch lyrics now? And I'm like, yes, I'll make some decisions now. <laughs> I put it, I just don't want to make the decision. It's so hard. Choosing lyrics is so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't ever want that pressure. <laughs> I, I kind of hate it, but it's fun. Yeah. Every yeah, time I hear it back, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. but it's hard to let him go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I noticed, um, I watched, uh, you doing, a, a live, a live thing on a uh, new noises. I had never heard of it until I saw you on it. And, um, you were talking about the drummer and some of the musicians in the group you were playing with that, that you seem to be playing with a pretty long time. Um, how do you go about, uh, finding or keeping like a consistent group of musicians to play live? And, and is there a group that you always use? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, my pro, this project is like fairly new Mm -hmm. compared, compared, like when I stack it against the people in my band, like I, I know them from before, you know, like previous projects. Right. Um, like Carter, my drummer, when I first moved to New York, um, he was in the first band that I played in and he was literally like 19, 18 oh, wow. at the time. He had just moved up from Vegas. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was like <laughs> such a character, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he just shredded drums. Cool. And I was like, man, I'm keeping you in my back pocket. Like one day, <laughs> Well, we're gonna be the thing, you know, me and you, kid. You know, that was the energy. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 then that band was it was good. Um, but we didn't really do much and it broke up and he got me in another band and you know, and that's kinda how I met everybody. Like I could tell you everyone's origin story. I won't. But um basically, yeah, we just met through bands and, you know, playing a lot. My bassist is this guy named Brian D'Amelio, who recorded the band I was in Stay Inside for the first record we did. And I was just like, whoa, you're a a great engineer. (laughs) And, uh, and we just stayed in touch. And, and I was, when I was wanting to record another thing, I was like, dude, I want you to help me do it. And our friendship kind of grew from there. And he's been playing bass for me ever since. And, but I have like a big network of players, you know, like I've played in so many bands and like literally the first like handful of shows. And even now, like I kind of just put the call out. I'll be like, Hey, everyone like I'm playing like these dates, like who's free, like, you know, Um, and everyone's just like, Oh, I could do it if Dan can't do it. And da 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 And and that's kind of how it works out. It's like a big family, which is like how I'd love to keep it, you know? Yeah, sure. mm -hmm. And, and you plan on, you know, whenever the world's not burning and you can go play some shows, you plan on keeping that, that same group of group of guys together. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. Um, you know, I would love to. And man, like, yo, like the way I see it is like, I know in my mind, like there are people, shit, who knows what's going to happen? I've been in bands before, (laughs) you know, like people, (laughs) 
man, I've seen some shit in bands. Yeah, and yeah, I know yeah. that, like, right now we have a great chemistry and everyone is cool. Like, and the egos are good. And, like, nobody, like, I'm pretty good about reminding everyone that I ain't shit. Like, <laughs> sure. I ain't shit. Like, we ain't doing shit. None of us have any money. Let's just go and have fun. You know, like, what this, what's this really about? You know, it's about, like, supporting each other and making sure each other can reach their their potential their dreams, you know, yeah, like yeah. we all believe awesome. in each other. And that's kind of like what bonds us is we all think that each of us is big enough to go the distance, you know? So that's awesome. That's yeah. actually nice to hear too. Cause to me, the idea of like, you know, completely, uh, or, or, you know, successfully completing something like an album or a tour and it being good and still being able to walk away knowing you're not shit. And you still have a lot left to prove, I think, is one of the things that makes, like, good artists great. You know, it's, it's, it's good to never be that impressed with yourself. I think it, it can help with, um, maybe you don't enjoy moments as much sometimes, but it, I think it can help <laughs> in, the long, in the long form. Because, you know, you never get too ahead of yourself or too impressed with yourself. It's probably a good way to be, man. Yeah, man, you gotta be, right? There's, like... There's so many great musicians and yeah. I want to play and I want to play with all of them. Exactly. <laughs> you know? like, yeah, exactly. I don't, you know, like someone asked me the other day, they're like, what's the, like, like, what do you want? Like, what, what is success to you? And I'm like, right. honestly, like, I just want to play with the people who inspire me. Like, yeah, yeah. I want to be in a room with Terrace Martin. Like, I want to like watch that full work. <laughs> that, sure. That's yeah. when I'll be like, Oh, I'm like doing some shit. You know, like <laughs> Deb yeah. Hines is here. I'm doing some shit. Uh, <laughs> Matt Berninger's here. You know, like that's what you know, everybody wants, you know. I yeah, want that. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. I saw that that New Noises live stream was on March eleventh, which uh you know is now sort of notoriously like the what I imagine the Rudy Gobert day, because that's the <laughs> The day the NBA fell apart because of that. Yes. Um, so, so that. yeah. So March 11th is always Rudy Gobert Day to me now. Um, so Holiday. you were still you were still playing, and I, and I remember even in that you said you had a couple shows coming up after it. How was that few days around there? And when did you kind of decide to shut it all down? Oh my God, it was so scary. Yeah. We were so excited to be doing that, that WNYC thing, you know, right. like yeah. I was so excited and I, I was also like, Oh man, they're definitely going to cancel this. Right. Because <laughs> right. I feel like shit's really going to pop off, but it hadn't quite. And we had the show the following day at the Sultan room, which right. was a place that like is a really cool club. And like, I really wanted to play there, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, being real. And I, you know, there was like multiple threads about should people cancel? Should we not? Yes or no? Everyone was like, Oh, we've got hand sanitizer. And I was like, okay, like, let's just do it. And yeah. so we, we all went up and we, we drove our little cars up there <laughs> and we parked and we, we went in there. And then like, right as we started playing, like the news really started to break about right. like Italy and like mm. how it was going bad. And, That's right, um, yeah. And then, like, the next day was the show, and, you know, somehow, like, you know, they decided not to close the sh the space, and we played the show, and it was it was attended, which I was like, wow, y'all are risky as hell. Like, I was, 
I would not have come. Like I was scared. And when I, I remember like loading in, like we we're around the street from like a key foods, I believe or something. Mm-hmm. And like, there was like a line around the block. It looked like some, you know, some TV shit. I was scared. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we should not be playing. We should all be at home. I don't know what we're doing out here. Scary. Just get home and get to Ben's chili bowl as quickly as possible. Yeah, right. Bit of the vegan chili you're saying you like, right? Oh, I sweat it so hard. I it's another <laughs> I, I yeah, I just interviewed someone earlier today for, for a different podcast who's from Chicago and I talked about I've had some timing issues in the past playing shows and eating Chicago pizza. Cause ah. you know, if you get it before the show, you might play a little sluggish. And then, you know, if you get it after the show, you're eating, like, these giant pieces of pizza at, like, one in the morning about to get in the van. Also not great. And Ben's Chili Bowl has done the same thing to me a couple times where I can't resist vegetarian chili cheese fries because they're so fucking good. And that place is so cool that I just want to go there all the time. But, you know... An hour before the show, if you're taking that on, it's it's not a good look. You know, you gotta get you gotta get to the city early. Like, yeah, you guys have to have a talk days before and be like, yo, like, <laughs> Nash, like, yo, like, let's not sleep in Nashville. Like, let's push it. Right. Let's stay. Let's stay in West Virginia tonight. It's gonna be wild, but we can get to DC by one p.m. It's wise. Yeah, how do you have but, so much wisdom already? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I run political campaigns. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Oh, yeah. You could have been playing me this whole time. Goddamn politician this whole time. Um, no, so I'm just, I know, I know things are, you know, it's a weird thing to notice, but I notice it because, you know, I've been in the same boat as you many times in my life. But um, I noticed that from yesterday until today, you had about a thousand more views on your YouTube video for the last song. And I oh, think, word? yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, people are really seem to be connecting, especially to this last song, uh, a Mustang. And, um, and I, I don't know, I see a very good trajectory for you <laughs> coming up. And I was wondering in, in your own head, uh, where do you see yourself like a year from now? And, and where do you see yourself like 10 years from now? Wow. Well, a year from now, I hope I see myself on the road, hopefully, right. you know, like I, I really hope that in a year I'm just grinding. Like, I hope I'm on the road, like I hope I'm on the road, on the road. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Not like, oh, we're doing a weekender. Like mm-hmm. I want to be gone. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I want to hit it hard and, you know, and I hope I can do that. Um, so yeah, that's what I hope in a year. And, and I hope that, you know, in that time I've, you know, released some music that people continue to connect with. And, um, I hope that it, 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 it catches, you know, I hope people like it. Um, this is the first time anyone's ever really listened to my stuff. So it's unique. Um, 10 years down the road. Um, I mean, I'm still kind of like, I'm pretty normal. Like I, I want to have a family and I want to have kids and get married. And, and I like, I see that as something that it's really important to me. And so I, I want to have that. Um, and I want to be doing, I want to be into that, you know, in that 10 year mark. And, and I also want my, my 
day to day to be centered around music. Like whether that's going on tour for four weeks and I'll be back for three weeks or maybe, or I'm like, you know, producing a band and then I'm going to go on the road for a week and a half. Like I always want that balance of like producing and um, making music, um, but also like touring and like writing my own stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. I want it all basically. (laughs) And that's basically like the, the ethos of my music. Like I always thought you had to choose something like you have to be this guy or that guy, you you know, black kids can't have it all. Mm. You have to choose something or you'll lose everything. Like that's kind of the fear we have. Right. Which leads to a lot of people choosing things that aren't for them. And sure, you know, it's, it's fucks with your mind. Um, and so, you know, my music and everything I do is all about, like, I want all the shit. Like I want to, I want the money. I want my friends to eat too. I want to get married. I want beautiful kids. I want a big ass house. I want to cut a bunch of records and I want everyone around me to do well. And, uh, that's kind of the goal. (laughs) <laughs> That's, I mean, it's beautiful and it's and it's totally attainable, which is awesome. You just gotta fucking keep that knee right, man. You know, yo, that's, you know that's why like producing in a studio is very important. Just like, stay I on mean, your feet, dog. You'll be all right. <laughs> stay on your feet. I gotta stay up, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, see, I just gotta like have a couple huge songs, and then we just buy a whole new knee. That's you know? it. Yeah, like, give me a whole new joint. Oh yeah, that's it. Um, By know, 2030, we could be floating. You might not, you might not even need the thing, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, they literally are, you know, sending people in to do Fortnite shows. You know, like Travis Scott <laughs> did that one. I could do that. I mean, yeah. well, speaking of the modern age, though, <laughs> I I got at you a little on Twitter today because you you made a post saying how sometimes I'm going to quote you, okay? Because because Brad's going to love this too how sometimes you're tricked by logic and you said in quotes, many times I've complimented bands drums on mixes and many times they've said, yeah, they're logic drums. And I question everything my ears have ever thought were true. And I don't know what emoji I said or what, what that was that I sent you, but I sent you a little figurine crying in the rain saying that we're, this is what drummers are like. And as usual, as usual, comparing myself to John Henry, which I feel like um, now, but that being said, it's not like I'm, I'm dumb to this. I mean, these fucking things sound great these days and there's a reason I'm so insecure. So what, what do you think, you know, that being said, what do you think we can still offer the world of rock besides for some, some long hair, you know, flailing around at a live show? Oh, really? Like, are you talking about what can drummers offer of the world of rock? I mean, you know, if you're playing a certain type of music and you're going to quantize the stuff anyway and people are going to compress it to where it almost sounds digital, I, you know, I'm even getting to the point where I'm like, you know what, motherfucker, just just fucking just sample it, you know, just just I mean, do it. Like, why do you even sure. need it anymore? Sure. You could do that. I mean, and to back you up, you know, most of the things I mix, all the snares are samples anyways. The kicks are samples, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Benny, I'm sorry, bro. It's it's over. No, I'm kidding. That's not me. It's full time podcast host. Uh. No, honestly, my my real answer to that is like feel is irreplaceable. Yeah, like feel like people that you know why people listen to freaking like Bootsy Collins songs today. <laughs> it's because yeah. 
the vibe is strong down mm-hmm. pat Curtis Mayfield still sells records today like right. there are like, a lot of you know like feel is important feel rules feel feel prevails always feel always prevails um mm. always so i mean keep if it you, coming keep it coming yeah. give me like 30 more seconds of this yeah man so like if you i mean <laughs> if you got some, if you got a story to tell on drums you know oh, speak yes. your truth king go <laughs> live <laughs> oh i feel so inspired i'm going straight to the drum space after this and you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna play ahead of the click and i'm gonna play behind the click just to mess with these damn robots you know Yo, build your own you don't grid. know how to push the track dog you don't know how to do it build your own grid <laughs> Sucking. this is your life you are your own grid that's the that's what it is dude. that's it you that's the, the t-shirt skynet <laughs> Be your own grid. Yeah, yeah, that's yours. That's yours for free. Care of going <laughs> off track. Thank you. <laughs> that's the merch now. Be your yeah. own grid. Marty Strange. <laughs> no. <laughs> and nobody bought any of his music. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's up, man? You got you got anything else for us? I don't know. I'm just feeling good. I'm feeling good, man. You know, partying, just sitting around. Uh, I'm good. No, it's been really cool to talk to y'all and kind of get to know you both a little bit. Um, Yeah, for sure. I definitely listened to a lot of Gaslight, you know, and, and, you know, as I was coming up. So, you know, it's cool to, I I feel cool talking to to you. So, well, I feel equally the same because, you know, I'd heard your name, but Jamie had sent uh, a sampler of some of the new stuff that she was working on. And one of your tracks just really stood out to me. And I really think, I was excited to talk to you, too, because, um, you know, as you get older and older, it's harder sometimes to get excited about things that you see or people working, you know, and I listened to a couple tracks and saw some things you had to say. And I'm honestly, I was truly inspired, you know, where I see somebody doing something that I think is cool and doing something I want to get behind, not only get behind, just listen to. I just want to listen to it. And I want to see what you do. And I wish you the best of luck, man. That's it's really, I think you're on to something. And I'm really excited to see what you got coming up. Damn. Well, I'm glad this is recorded because I'm definitely going to play that back. <laughs> <laughs> that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Nah, no worries. No worries. Yeah. Well, we'll do this again once the, uh, once the world's not on fire. We'll have you in New York in the studio. We'll do it again. Oh, totally. I'm always up there. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. And, and best, best to you and yours. Thanks again, Bartis. This was really awesome. Thank you. Okay, Bartis. That was fun. Yeah, that was refreshing, man. It's like, you know, I feel like a lot of times with these, most of our interviews, it's like we are almost, we know what to expect, sort of. You know, we know mm. so a lot of these people. Obviously, you, you or I know personally, or we definitely know where they're coming from. You know? Yeah. Sure. Um, and this is really cool because, I mean, I feel like I'm talking to a fresh faced kid. You know, <laughs> right, he's really right. got something to say for real. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it's coming from, I guess, like finding someone who wants to create from it coming from such a real place feels like unique and authentic these days too. You know, like it seems like a lot of people's intentions are all wrong 
yeah. going into music sometimes and what they need to do. And, you know, things have been shifted so much towards like a live show and, and kind of some flashy other stuff, you know, where you might focus on your t-shirt, you know, before you're really focusing on your song or something. So I like, it needs to get back to this root. Yeah. Which is the fact that like the song itself is the thing driving the entire ship. Yeah. And it's something like people seem to forget. So when I see someone who's just like trying to really pull the meat out of it, find some new directions to go really has something to say. It's, it's refreshing and it's nice. And I, I'm really excited to hear the whole record and what he's got coming for him. And, and like I said in that interview, I don't know if I said in the interview or I said it to someone I was talking to, um, I heard some things in like his voice where I was like, oh, this voice can go like a lot of more places than I've already heard it go. You know, right. some voices you hear and you're like, okay, this is the way this person's voice sounds. Yeah. This voice I hear and I'm like, oh, he could go even lower if he wanted. Right. He could go even higher if he wanted. He could go longer if he wanted. So that kind of gives like his future some some breadth and like right. where it could go. Like, I don't even know, because I think he could pull off some some interesting shit, you know? Yeah, he seems to definitely be. He's got variety to his tastes for for sure. And what about getting weed in D.C.? That was awesome. Was like that. <laughs> what? That was so funny. <laughs> so silly. I gotta. I gotta. I know. I'm trying to think if I know anybody who still lives in D.C. I know a lot of D.C. area people, but I don't think I actually know that many. I definitely don't know any weed heads that still live there. That I mean, that's a great story. It's just these weird, like, in the last like ten years since some states have decided to like decriminalize and have their own ways of selling it and apprehending it. Like the whole weed thing is like the wild west right now. Yep, like, yep. <laughs> no one knows. Like, I don't even think cops know. They're like, can I do this right do now? I can bust I not? This guy? Yeah. It's like confusing. <laughs> I remember when Colorado first went legal, the, I, I don't know what he is, the head of police or sheriffs or something for Kansas was just basically like, Hey, we know like you guys are legal, but they're just cruising right back into Kansas. And like, right. should we be arresting them? Or they like needed some federal guidance on the yeah. issue. And there is none. Right. Every state just has to fend for themselves with that, which is a good thing. It's the beauty of America. But I think it's time we had some federal laws about weed, you know? Different ones. Yeah, it's probably time. I think it's time. <laughs> if I it's can watch weed. these fucking little kids pour all over themselves naked in their Jeeps, Ugh. pounding 150 white claws. If I have to see that shit again, like, tell me that some weird little kid can't go smoke a joint and listen to Dark Side of the Moon on the beach. You know, How's, <laughs> how the fuck is that worse? Jesus. <laughs> Drives me crazy. <laughs> Watch these people drink themselves to death. You yeah, know? it's definitely worse. It's far worse Come for you. On. Come kids. on. <laughs> Remember that, uh, kids. Choose weed over alcohol. You know, if we only voted in a really uh, liberal president for eight years, maybe we would have had legal weed federally by now. Oh! <laughs> Drop the ball, Barack's. That was your <laughs> fucking shit. 
How did we not get weed in that eight years? Not cool, man. Not cool. Not what I voted for. <laughs> Fucking droning motherfuckers. No weed. <laughs> Bullshit. Uh, Fucking party line. <laughs> so, Bartis is on uh, the internet. Yeah. All you got to do is put an underscore in his name. Bartis underscore strange to get him on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And he's on Facebook with no underscore. So, yeah, check him out. He's he's a refreshing dude. That's what I will say. I would say so, too. And the record Live Forever. That's the record. Live Forever is out October 2nd on Memory Music. Yeah, but check out yeah the two singles that I was listening yeah. to that he just that just came out are really awesome. Yeah, I think Mustang and Boomer. Mustang, yeah. Yeah, great um, tracks. Yeah. This that is, Mustang track is killer. Yeah. Really. He's got it going on. He's, you know, like you said, it's... He, there's people that do music because, and he's even basically, this is what he says in the interview, you know, that they do it because they have to. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah. if they don't do it, they don't feel right. And he's yeah. one of those people and it, and it comes through. So, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I'm like, uh, yeah, fat and pretty crazy right now, actually. <laughs> I'm just not playing enough music, you know? Yeah, dude. It's the the downside to being a drum set drummer, you know? Yeah. Because I need people. I need other people yeah. to do it. I can't sit you're, in my house and punch on pads and feel accomplished. I you're, need, you're a pack you know? animal, Benny. I am. I am. I'm a <laughs> collaborator. I don't like I don't like being out in the lonesome. Only when I choose to be, you know? All right. Well soon enough. Yeah. Soon yeah, enough. Yeah. All right. So, not soon enough, but hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So our Patreon's been fun. We've been posting some yeah. super videos. I posted my defensive Radiohead. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm assuming Fat Mike's never going to see it, so I'll say whatever I want on there. You know, I think that's a cool thing about the Patreon. It's like a blocked little world. It's a safe space. Yeah, I can say whatever the fuck I want in there. <laughs> Those are people literally paying. Yep. To get out, like that, that's a free forum. They're, I could get raw in there. They're your fans. They want to hear right. them. Hear what you get to say, dude. Right, I'm gonna start getting dirty then. <laughs> start saying what I really mean. You know, <laughs> not this censored. The real Benny will come yeah. out <laughs> unfiltered. You can hear our uh, our interview with Alex Jones we did last week. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> no. No. Sorry, I, I'm camp throwing that Just, one. Like, just kidding. Just kidding. Wouldn't do it. I can't I can't talk to people like that. No. no. <laughs> That's not this kind of show, man. We're here to talk to people that we want to hang out with. People we guy like. like that. He'll bully me. Yeah. He'll he bully will. me with his big mean words, you He'll know? Roll right over you in your scary t shirt. Sure will. <laughs> I, I don't have the heart for people like that. I just want to I want to give him what like I'm what can we do to just give him something and shut him up? What do you feed them? Throw them raw meat? We need to tell them that it's all okay to love their fellow man, literally, no. because I think that's really what's making these people crazy. It really yeah. is, isn't I'm it? I'm convinced that, that every hateful white male is a closeted homosexual. <laughs> I'm really, I really fully, I'm yeah. not joking, I'm not trying to make fun of them. I just can't figure out what could possibly make you so angry or so, like, upset about other people's behavior if it wasn't that you yourself were just not getting what you really wanted. I mean, if you ask me, and I think it's a narrative I can't understand why people don't talk about enough, it's because they are fucking 
they're just all religious. Yeah, well, and, and they think that whatever is happening right now isn't even. This is not the end game. This is like a small <laughs> blip in their fucking <laughs> spiritual journey. So all they have to do while they're here is ensure their passage to another place. Some political party has given them about three things that if they hold really tight to their heart, they'll ensure their path to heaven. So it's all just like this selfish, I'm out of here in 30 years anyway, well, and that, fucking dude, behavior. Not, you not know? even that, the real, zealot, the real zealots are, are waiting <laughs> to be raptured. They, they want to they hasten the end of the world. Are you kidding right. me? Right, yeah, they want it even faster. Bring it on! Yeah, they're no better than the 40 virgins, you know, I think 72 Muslim extremists. 72, I believe. Is it 72? I think it's 70. They had to up 70s. It. Yeah. it used to be 40, Benny. <laughs> thousand years ago was 40. When they were trying these to- kids these days <laughs> needed 72 <laughs> to blow things up. This is bullshit. Yeah. All right. We got to get out of here because this is, this is going into like. <laughs> Gone crazy too land. far off track. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to Bartiz. Sorry for. For. Derailing the verbal diarrhea all over his intro um, and outro. And, and, and as far we got a couple new patrons. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I don't have your names in front of me, but you you rule. Welcome to the club. And um, and also thanks for the recent Venmo's that we got. If you want to send us a tip on Venmo, it's at Off Track. Um, yeah, thank you. We, we've got a lot of really helpful, gracious people. It's true. It's quite nice. I appreciate it greatly. We are filled with love. You keep us going. All right. Thanks, Brad. We'll see you next week. Have fun up in the mountains, wherever you are. Oh, I will. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.